Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, liftoff. On a beautiful Sunday night, eh, kind of, sort of, <laughs> raining first part of day, overcast rest of day, <laughs> I've seen the sun less than I've seen my own damn sanity, which is nothing, that's not easy to find anyway. Greetings, good evening, how the hell are you? Welcome into Beyond Ringside Live from yours truly from the beer hog in beautiful Pelham, Alabama, just south of Birmingham. <laughs> Figured I'd do it the easy way this week. I am the Magic City Motor Mouth Fast Eddie Lane, welcoming in tag team partners from the Peach State. Shane Knowles, what's up? Oh, man, it's one of my favorite times of the year. The selection Sunday for basketball. Yes, I still watch the Oscars. And the season's just around the corner. As you saw, Eddie Spring is definitely in the air. Allegedly. Welcoming in tag team partner, the hardcore heartbreaker, Greg Troxel. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, just on a Sunday. Looking forward to tonight. This one thing to do is hanging out with you guys tonight. And I love any season. Kind of don't care about the Oscars and, you know, college basketball. I'm a Georgia fan. Ah, I don't have a lot to talk about. Hey, look, you got back-to-back football national championships. Be happy. <laughs> I'm not complaining. There you go. Well, let me clarify. With the Oscars, I'm not going to stick around for the entire three, four-hour duration of this award show. I have certain people I'm rooting for. Austin Butler, who portrayed the late, great Elvis Presley. I'm rooting for him to win Best Actor. There's a couple other people. I'd like to get the nod, and that's why I'll be tuning in now. But I'm not going to stick around for the whole uh, being preached to (laughs) for close to four hours. I haven't watched the Oscars in about six, seven years um, the closest thing to an award show that I will watch normally is the Billboard Music Awards show because they concentrate more on the music than anything else. Um, I just I have the same opinion. Uh, I don't care who you are in the world of entertainment. We don't do it here. We won't do it here. We're not going to preach to anybody because our views are our views. Your views are your views. So to Captain America and everybody else who wants to get on social media and go to the award shows and go, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is controversial moment number one. I go to be entertained. Plain and simple. That's all I look for. I don't look to public figures as a source of inspiration. I look to them as a source of entertainment. Hmm. Hopefully the same way they look at me. <laughs> it's like, entertain us, fat man. Okay, that's what we're here for. Selection Sunday. Oh, boy. I have friends in my home state. Shane, you're close enough to it, even though you're technically on the border. (laughs) 
They're going to be insufferable again. Let's see, what is it? Uh, Bama uh, SEC tournament champions two out of three years and uh, number another number one or a number one seed this year. I'm looking forward to it though. Uh, March Madness for me is always a lot of fun. I I used to get into the breaking my neck to pick a bracket and going through scores and uh, standings and schedules and everything else. And it's like I had a good record to the point where a couple of my bookies hated me in years gone by. When you win more than you lose, you're not playing blackjack. So I'm looking at this year, and it's like it looks like it's going to be entertaining, but then by the same token, March Madness normally is because it's a win-or-go-home circumstance. This is something that I prefer in a um, championship tournament. Second chances. Here, here. Yeah, it's like I love baseball, but there are times when a best of five or best of seven just is too much. Two out of three would be great because you can prove just about anything in three games. Win one, lose two. Win two, lose one. Win, win none, lose three. Win three, lose none. There, it's that easy. Unless it's the NFL, then it's a tie, and everybody goes home. <laughs> or well, you're, go you're ahead. speaking to my language, Eddie. I mean, up until about 1999, I believe it was the opening round of the NBA playoffs was best of five, and I just I don't think we need seven games for the one seed versus the eight. I, in the opening round. No. I would say the same thing if my Hawks were in there. No. Plain and simple. We don't need a best of best two out of three for the first round, three out of five for the second round. And if you want to go conference championship, five games, great. And the NBA title, seven games. Give sure. people something to build towards. And that's something that a lot of sports have just forgotten how to do. Well, have they really forgotten or are they just worried about the – Advertising money. Let's just call it what it is. It's I, money. At the end of the day, it's, it's an economic situation. That's it's why money. they expanded the NFL playoffs. It's economic. Yeah, it's greed. Mm-hmm. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, football has it worse than anybody else with the exception of maybe hockey and soccer. Because, you know, in basketball, there's supposed to be limited contact. Unless, of course, you're the prima donna in the Golden City who just wants to flop all over the place. Or... Back in the day, I will say I will say the NFL did it creatively by adding one more team per conference, eliminating one of the buys from conference. There's still the same amount of rounds, so to speak. This one team less with a buy and uh, a much more fun field card week. Uh, but yeah, with the NBA expanding those games, and my gosh, you think about it, uh, over half the league makes the playoffs. Plus, you have the now play-in game tournament God, yes. in each conference where the seven plays the ten, the eight plays the nine, or however that goes, and seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, but, yeah, that opening round, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, can you get us to the semis all day? Because there's a day off in between each game as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember back in the day when people complained about the fact that Tully Blanchard, Dusty Rhodes, best of seven, or Magnum and Tully, best of seven, or Nikita and Lex Luger, best of seven, all went too long. But then by the same token, they didn't have the internet to spoil everything every five minutes. We could do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. And God, it still seems like forever. It's really not yeah, that. We, Go ahead. I think, well, once we get 
to more closer to the NBA playoffs where there's a lot to discuss. Because I, I, NBA just drives me nuts. Like, I even wonder, why do we even have conferences? Why do we even have divisions? And it's like, all of a sudden, we rank everybody. So it's like, I'm almost feel like we're going to go to, like, like, the college conference championship thing. But everybody gets in, you see them all, and here we go. And that's almost where we're at with the NBA. Well, for me, it's very simple. You know, as a, as a matter of fact, Greg, as a matter of fact, Greg, we are doing that the NBA now. Even though they still have divisions, the standings are based on per conference. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't – I don't know why they even still have the Atlantic division, the South and the Central. The standings. I, don't I don't know why that's a thing. I don't get it. I really don't. And, and then they talk about doing it with the NFL. I like the divisions. I like the fact that you have – you can build up rivalries. There's a reason you should win your division. But in the NBA, yes. it doesn't even matter. Let's go and bring it back something we uh, did in the pre-show. And I said, let's wait till we go live. Number one seeds in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Alabama, Houston, Kansas, Purdue. Taking into consideration, some of us have not looked at the brackets. Some of us have. Which of the number one seeds survive to the final four or will any of them? Greg, I'll go to you first. <laughs> I was hoping you would. <laughs> I'm probably the most uneducated of the ones on the college basketball. However, because to me, was I'm a, I'm a very, very much of a fringe basketball fan. So, and not just because of you know my chosen team, but just I, it's just you know it is what it is. But this year's been weird. It hasn't been like that dominant team or that team that's been at the top. It's just kind of been the rotating number one, rotating number two. But as I look at the 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 number ones, I mean, I think the team with the best chance, just not just looking at them as the number one seed, but just kind of looking at glancing over their their division or their um their the Midwest part. I'm going Houston. I think Houston has the clearest path. To the final four. Shane? Okay, so wait a minute. Greg, you're saying Houston's the only one that will survive? Oh, no, I'm saying it's, it's the one that has the best chance. I thought that's what you asked. Which one has the best chance? Do I think anyone else survives? I don't know, man. Um I don't I don't I don't see Bama um been great at times and a little mediocre at a few times. Um, maybe Kansas, but I think number one for me, Houston has the best chance. And if I went number two is best chance, Kansas. I don't see Purdue or Alabama making it to the final four. Shane? I'm going to surprise you, Eddie. I'm going to say out of these four number one seeds, I think Alabama has the best chance for looking at their bracket, I don't think it's a big challenge until they get to the Elite Eight playing the number two seed, Arizona. Alabama is the number one overall seed. To me, they reflects that. There's just not a lot there. Maybe Virginia in the Sweet 16, maybe. But uh, looking at they have the least chance, uh, they get out of the first round, they're going to play the winner of uh, Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Memphis beat Houston today handily in the conference tournament final. And Florida Atlantic 31 and 3. If you get by that, you're going to play the winner of Duke and Oral Roberts. Oral <laughs> Roberts, who made the Sweet 16 last year and was the only team to go undefeated in conference play this year, draws Duke in a 5-12 matchup. Um, I like Houston, their draw, but I don't know if I trust it. 
especially after the Memphis, you know, tail kicking today. That game potentially against Auburn and Birmingham in the second round could be enticing. Kansas is the defending champion. I just don't like their bracket, man. My gosh, Arkansas in the second round can play with any and has been to the Elite Eight the last two years. If they get by that, you're going to be playing some combination of Gonzaga, UCLA that's very stout. So if I have to pick, I'm going to say Alabama has the best chance to make the Final Four, with the caveat being that since the uh, tournament expanded to 64 teams in 1985, we've only had all four number one seeds reach the Final Four one time. I'm looking, and right now, honestly, I'm torn between the Midwest bracket where Houston's the number one seed and the West bracket where Kansas is the number one seed as being the stronger brackets. Um, I'm really kind of curious to see how Purdue survives, especially going after um, if they get past the um, the play-in game, which I can't read the print. It's too damn small. <laughs> I need a bigger computer screen. Um, six of them. Uh, that would be uh, a Texas Southern versus Fairleigh Dickinson. Will be playing the uh, the winner. You could have offered me a million dollars. I would not have gotten that second team. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> it, because they're going to get past that when I've got a strong hunch on that. But then they're going to have to win. The, they're going to have to face off between either Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Ooh. And then go to the next round. You've got a possibility of either Duke or Tennessee. Does Tennessee make it past um, Louisiana? Probably. Duke passed Oral Roberts? That's a question mark. Duke's lost some games they should have won this year. Uh, speaking of people... Well, and that's my question to you guys. Um, I wanted to throw this to you throughout the one seed. I, I that every year since 1997, at least one 12 seed has beat a number five. Right. Last year, three 12 beat. Right, so I will ask you gentlemen, looking at those matchups, in the South, the 512 is 5 seed San Diego State versus 12 seed Charleston. In the East, is the aforementioned number five Duke versus 12 seed Oral Roberts. In the West, it is 5 seed Miami versus 12 seed Drake. And in the West, it's 5, this is, oh my God, I hate this one. 5 seed St. Mary's versus 12 seed VCU Virginia Commonwealth. Looking at those matchups, which one do you see, you guys see the most likely ups? Mm, if I go on that one first, I'm going to go ahead and sit back and say VCU upset Southern Method. Um, or Charleston over San Diego State. Um, which one of us beeped? <laughs> um, give me VCU in the upset. I'm thinking all right. about you, Greg. Oh, because. Oh, it's very inconsistent. They just haven't. They just haven't been there. Or proper scores, man. And they, I just, I don't. I mean, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to see it as well. But um, yeah, I just think that Oral Roberts has, has done well. Um, they made a Sweet 16 as a 15 seed before, you know, a couple of years. But yeah, I think they could do. They could do it. And then honestly. I see Charleston um, either. Charleston take a take. I think I'm um, with Drake over Miami, but I'm with Greg on this one. Oral Roberts has got a seven foot five who buries three points. That's going to be amazing to see them play. Oh, and going back to the original statement out there, 
Um, I, I'm going to sound like a homer. Sorry about that. I do believe Alabama is going to make it and survive. Um, I think Houston has a chance. But once again, there's some serious question marks. And even if they make it to the Elite Eight, they st- I would say that they may have to face off against Texas, which is going to be a scary thought for anybody. Yeah. That's a sleeper team a lot of people aren't paying attention to because Big 12 always gets overlooked in basketball. Uh, from there, Purdue. And I- remember, Texas. For Texas, just uh, they went in and beat Kansas by 25 points. Yeah. At their, at their place. So uh, I don't- Texas is a very good team. Kansas uh, is one of my. I don't think they're going to make it because they. That once again, they're another epitome of they've lost game. What they have two, three game losing streaks throughout the course of the year. Mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I think Purdue has a fighting chance. So I honestly, it just depends on what happens in the bottom half of the bracket. Um, because remember that Florida Atlantic Memphis game that's going to be one to watch, and then Duke Oral Roberts if if if. If Oral Roberts knocks off Duke, and then chances are they'll face Tennessee, give me television for that game. I'll watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas. Hey, while we're on college basketball, can I close this? I'm sorry. Can I just say this before I forget it? Yeah. I'll stop interrupting you, Eddie. I promise. Uh, say a very happy trails to Jim Beheim, who is out as the coach of the Syracuse the Orangeman. Yeah. After 47 years, he came in to Syracuse as a walk-on player in 1962, then an assistant coach, then um, coached that team since 1976. He has the second most wins ever in college basketball behind Mike Krzyzewski. He had 30-20 win seasons. Mm-hmm. He never wanted to leave. I found out 17 first-round draft picks in the NBA, guys like Sherman Douglas and Derek Coleman and Carmel Anthony, uh, the list goes on. But I just, you know, with his now retirement, that era of coaches of Mike Krzyzewski, Dean Smith, John Thompson, Lou Carnesecca, Raleigh Massimino, Jim Beheim, guys we all grew up watching in the 80s and 90s and beyond, that era has now sadly closed. But I'm yep. glad to see him say he's going to stay around at Syracuse because he, he would know nothing different in life. Yeah, well, they refer to The Undertaker as the last outlaw, and he was the last of that generation to actively technically retire of that top tier, and Beheim falls into that category in men's college basketball as far as coaches go. Um, hey, stealing it, live long and prosper, promise, have fun with that. I mean, retirement can be a beautiful thing, but by the same token, we remember, um, I, I, I hate that R word because of uh, two words, Bear Bryant. Uh, he did not, I don't believe, last a full year in retirement before he left us. So I just hope Beheim and his family enjoy the moment. And congratulations, Beheim, for a truly Hall of Fame career. Unbelievable. And the fact that he got to coach his sons the last couple of years, what a great way to go out. Oh, God, yeah. You can't ask for better. <laughs> I mean, let's be real about it. Um, uh, you, you, you know he's got to just be on on cloud nine, haven't been able to do that, and, and kind of, and also being able to leave like he wants to. Yeah, I mean, of course, everybody loves to go out as a champion. Everybody dreams of going out as a champion. If that was the case, Tom Brady would have played one less year. And <laughs> well, I think my favorite thing about Bayheim is not just the Final Fours or even the national title in two thousand three. It's twice in the last like seven eight years. 
He's taken Syracuse to the Final Four as a double-digit seed. I remember one year around 2015, people were complaining Syracuse shouldn't have even been in the tournament. That was debatable. But they made the Final Four. And then another year, they were one of those teams that had to play a play-in game as an 11 seed, beat another 11, upset the 6, upset the 3, upset the 2, and the 1 in their region made the Final Four again. Those are tremendous memories for me that Bayheim just kind of stuck it to all the critics. Oh, God, yes. And you love it when they do. That's why I, earlier this week I was watching ES, um, ESPN because, damn it, somebody has to. Um, and they were running a, you know, a, a documentary on Pat Summit. Um, genuinely another person who I feel one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time, period. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go through and you look at what happened over while she was coaching over in the women's division, and they had some tremendous coaches over there, and as – I believe only um, only one is still left of that group of four that everybody used to speak so highly of, and but yeah, when when I started watching the um, the documentary on Summit, I'm sitting back just smiling, going, "I'm glad to see class and talent get recognition for the right reasons." Let me go ahead and take a look at something real quick. Um, we're going to slam segue into. <laughs> Actually, we've got about four left in the segment, so I'm going to go ahead and toss this one back up. Um, Shane, you and I were talking off air, and Greg, you had not been able to join us yet when we were making a reference to the factor of what happened today at the Phoenix Raceway in NASCAR. Uh, William Byron picks up the win. Ryan Blaney comes in second. Tyler Reddick picks up third. Um, For me, NASCAR has been a weird bird. When I heard that uh, Jimmy Johnson was coming back to run a couple of races, and this was also going to be Kevin Harvick's last season, I I just I sit back and once again that last outlaw frame of mind hits. Um, of course, I hated it when Tony Stewart retired, and I really hated it when Dale Jr. left early. And don't even get me started about Joey Logano and Carl Edwards. Logano's the reason why I barely watch any NASCAR. But you know this way this early part of the season is starting to come into play with three in the books. Um. Steady as she goes, and it's looking like it's going to continue to build to be a good season. Shane, disagree or agree? I agree. Uh, as I told you off there, I've watched more NASCAR through these opening four races, and I have combined the last just making conscious effort to try again. And one thing that's caught my attention is the Chevys of Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, William Byron's won the last two races. Kyle Larson has pulled and dominated a lot of laps in the top 10 routinely. And our driver from Hendrick Motorsports, Chase Elliott, now a two-time champion, is out indefinitely with an injury he suffered while skiboarding. While they were out in Vegas, he chose to go over to Utah. But it's a season. Oh, man, there's a lot of youth and talent back at Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, when you think Hendrick, obviously you're going to think Dale Jr. You think Jeff Gordon. You think for older people, you may think Casey Kane, Walt, Jeffrey Bodine, whatnot. All those guys I've mentioned. 30, and they are at the forefront each and every Sunday. Greg, have you had a chance to keep up that much? Um, I've kept up a little bit. It's funny, I actually had a conversation about NASCAR earlier today, and how I used to be a huge NASCAR fan, really into it, and, you know, they lost me. Years. Um, But I have kept up with, you know, how on and you have seen such a, like you said, the last outlaw, that you, you've had such a turnover 
um, over the what past five, six, seven years, and you're starting to see these these quote unquote young guys coming up, and they're just starting to die. Um, and I agree. Like Hendrick has had a huge turn, right? And it kind of they, they kind of lost their way. I mean, I'll even say with Dell Jr. I mean, he wasn't he didn't perform to the level of what I expected a Hendrick driver to. Be. Looking at uh, Jimmy Johnson and, and a Gordon, how you're starting to turn back around, and I think it's like every other sport. When you have a team that's dominant or that's doing really well, it's good for the sport. You whether you love mm-hmm. them or you hate them, it's good for the sport. I think right. you see that. I think you're seeing Kyle Busch helping bring RCR back a little bit. You're starting, and I think there's just going to be a huge changing of the guards here. Um, and it's fun. I mean, it can be fun. I, I haven't had the time, to be honest, to sit down and watch much any of the NASCAR. Uh, like I said, I've watched highlights. I've jumped in, you know, looking at it. I always keep up with Kevin Harvick because he has been my favorite driver ever since um, he took over the 29 back in the day. And, you know, now I'm I'm searching for a new driver. I'm not going to lie. So I got to see. I'm a free agent fan, man. I'm about to be a free agent at the end of the year. So I got to find my <laughs> new driver. Um, but, yeah, it's it's – Everything I've, I've looked at, um, I feel like NASCAR's finally on that upswing again. And I think it helps with the the young talent. And I feel like this just not as uh, polished as it was. Yeah. There for a while, they got so politically correct and so – they really whitewashed everybody. And outside, of you had a Tony Stewart or Kyle Busch that, you know, kind of spoke out the side of their mouth. But beyond that, everybody's very vanilla. And I think you're getting those – Did I lose you, or did you finish the sentence? Greg, I'll ask you this. Did you know that? Uh, Go ahead. I, I know I know Eddie. Know, Greg, I didn't know if you knew this or not, as being longtime fans. Did you know that NASCAR's at North Wilkesboro this year for the first time in, uh, since 2001, and that makes me happy. Yeah. They're trying to right or wrong. They should have never left that track. They should have never side either, but at least it's in the right direction. I agree, and I think – with NASCAR, and I'm not a, you know, oh, NASCAR should never have expanded, but NASCAR tried to expand too fast, and they tried, they lost their core audience, they lost their core, they lost their identity, True. and True. I think other sports have done it too. You go back to, and I can jump into arena football, and, and certain, they have talked about XFL and USFL, they got to realize what they are, and I think NASCAR lost what they were. They went through a phase of a, of, they became a fad, and they let's go build Chicago and let's go build Vegas and let's go build all these other places. And that was great for the expansion of the sport, but then they, they lost their core. And when they did that, you saw that attendance drop. You saw the TV ratings drop. You saw everything else. It's kind of like they, they, they really gutted their, you know, Saturday night, um, short tracks. They gutted all yeah. their Friday night short tracks because they started running all these different races and they didn't care about any of the, the ground swell. And, now going back to some of these tracks and going back to some of the throwbacks and trying to bring in some of those those fans back into the fold, I think that's a smart move. I really do. And I think they just need to realize that, look, they're not in the big four. They're not. And that's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. You can be extremely successful and not be the NFL or Major League Baseball or NBA or, you know, those. And um, I, I love the fact they're going back to these tracks again. In the words of Evangeline Lilly from the post-credit scene in Ant-Man, it's about damn time. Mm-hmm. When you get to a point as a entity 
to where you feel like you have to leave certain segments of your roots behind. And in order to embrace a wider audience, a bigger audience, a wider culture, you end up sacrificing so much. And I'll put it this way. Talladega is my home track. I know Talladega, take your pick. But for marketing purposes, it's still Dega. <laughs> Go figure. But lo and behold, Talladega Super Speedway is still my home track. I worked there for a number of years. I partied there for even more. And when ISC, the parent company, started cracking down. Now, I'm, look, let's be real. There's a megaton of people out there who don't know how to hold their liquor or their beer or anything else they're doing that they probably shouldn't be doing. But when you get it to a point to where people don't want to come out and camp all week long, unless you're in a multi-million dollar RV or motorhome, it's like you start losing the core base. Um, tell you what, let's hit this break real quick, and I'm gonna finish. I've got a thought that I'm gonna run with on this one. Let me go ahead and click this back over here, folks. Tell you what, hang tight. On the live version, we'll be back in about four. On the replay side of life, we're going to be back probably in about 90 seconds. Hang with us. The party continues. This is Beyond Ringside Live. Herman Crab, and you're locked into Beyond Ringside. Too salty. This is awesome. Austin Creed, the smartest man in this industry called pro wrestling, the valid Victorian of this business. You are locked in to Beyond Ringside. When planning your next party or special event, insist on the best. Full Range Entertainment is a professional entertainment company providing a full range of services. From professional disc jockeys and MCs to catering and photography, when the details of your special day must be perfect, call us first. Wedding receptions, corporate parties, school functions, birthday celebrations, and more. We also have Birmingham's largest selection of karaoke tracks available. With over 40 years combined experience, Full Range Entertainment can provide you with the talent and professionalism you need and deserve to make your next event one you'll never forget. For more information on the full range of services we offer, call 533-HITS, that's 533-H-I-T-S, or check us out on our website at fullrangeentertainment.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill Darrens, and you're watching, you're listening, you're experiencing Beyond Rankside, and you are a better person for it. Trust me. Hey everyone, I'm Truman, the co-founder of Forza Lucha, and you are locked in to Beyond Ringside. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back at it live on a Sunday night. Welcome back into Beyond Ringside Live. Fast Eddie Lane live from the Beer Hog. Shane Knowles, welcome back. Hey, hey. Greg Troxel, welcome back. What's going on? Let's do it. Moment of shameless commercialism. Like to remind everybody, if you were in the central Alabama area, drop by the Beer Hog on Monday nights, 6 p.m. start time for your karaoke night. 64 crafts on draft on the big board and a full bar. Got some cool eats on the menu, too. Check us out once again Monday nights, 6 p.m., your karaoke night right here at the Beer Hog. Um, more shameless plugs on the way from all of us. Trust me on that one. Ha ha. Uh, from there, we grow in a business. And how how fast we grow and how strong we grow depends on the game plan in place. And the part that irks me is when you do forget your roots. You forget what brought you to the dance. In entertainment... We become, and look, you can, in radio, television, movies, whatever, 90% of corporate is focus grouped. And if you don't think for a hot second NASCAR runs focus groups on their, on their broadcasts, you're crazy. The NFL does it. Major League Baseball does it. The NBA does it. All your major networks do it, whether it's alternative programming, reality TV, whether it's scripted programming, whether it's sports programming. And when you start relying, and I'm going to use this term into all the accountants out there. Sorry about this, kids. When you start relying on the bean counters, when you start relying on the analytics and the numbers too much, you end up losing a lot of what brought you to the dance. You have to be able to adapt your game plan to grow without leaving behind the people that have spent their hard-earned money and given of their time and their lives. You don't want to alienate these people while you're bringing in new faces in the seats. The late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes used to make the comment about one every 18. Yes, every company wants one every 18. Sports especially. Movies. All of the above. But when you start getting too big for your britches, it's like when you have companies that expand so fast, but they feel like they have to make certain changes. Or when a corporate buyout occurs. Hey, this company over here is making a ton of money. Let's buy them out. And then we can turn around and make money ourselves. Well, when you start changing too much stuff, guess what? You lose your ass. Hi, Darden. How you doing? And the trick to the whole scenario, it applies all the way across the board. And NASCAR has been the world's worst about this. 
a lot of people would say WWE is tied or close second. And that's why so many people are skeptical about AEW and every other promotion that has a television presence, even if that television presence is IWTV or YouTube or Fight TV. When you start that expansion trip, when you start growing too much too fast all the way across the board, that you lose a lot of your corporate identity. You have to be able to reevaluate that. NASCAR is starting to reevaluate that. I'm not a big fan of using the term too little too late. I am a fan of using the term better sooner than later. NASCAR for years was a party. All the way through a week. Those who went to Talladega Super Speedway, look, I started going in the 80s. And yes, it was a party in the campground. Sometimes that party got out of control, and I understand why law enforcement had to be called in. <laughs> but when you start stifling these people to the point where it's like, well, I ain't going to spend the money to go camp. I'll just go to the race. You're losing money. And when you start overly catering, we talk about viewers and listeners. There is such a thing as a quality viewer and a quality listener. In my world, that's everybody who takes the time to pick up a set of headphones or turn on their speakers and listen to what we're doing here. What your per capita income is, is none of my damn business. But networks and corporations look at that. And sometimes they look too much. Because when you have one super viewer or influencer allegedly, I hate that word with a passion, that they'd rather have one influencer super viewer than 10 regular viewers. Really? Give me the 10. Because those 10 are going to be the first ones to give you the, la the shirt off their back and the last dollar in their wallet, as opposed to that super viewer who may leave you at the drop of the hat because they feel that you're not measuring up to them. It's time for the business world to be a little bit smarter about the way they handle things. And yes, with a little bit of humor and a whole lot of sarcasm and a touch of blunt force honesty, this is my side of the coin. Gentlemen, anything you'd like to follow up with that one? Shane, I'll go to you first. No, you said it eloquently, beautifully. Words I normally never get told after a dissertation. <laughs> Greg, comments, rebuttals? I do have a couple of things. I don't, I don't totally disagree, but I think that the key is you get these statistics, and I think NASCAR is a perfect example. I mean, like, there's a, there's a rise and fall of NASCAR, and it's you look at your statistics, you look at everything, but you can't make numbers tell you a story, but they don't tell you the whole story. And you have to dig in deeper, and you have to understand, hey, you know what, where do these viewers come from? And all of a sudden we have viewers in the mid Midwest and the in the in the West and and the Northeast and wow, wow we didn't have this all before. Well, you don't have to cater to them yet. You still have to find a way to keep that core audience. This is where I think the NFL does a great job. NFL puts certain programming together that's geared towards their core audience, and I don't mean just the the fringe uh, television shows. I'm talking about like you watch a game on the NFL Network. It is a different commentary and it's a different type of game you're watching from a presentation standpoint than your Monday night football. Monday night football is geared towards your not as much of a hardcore fan. And this is where I think NASCAR lost it. They started to lose it and they started to alienate their hardcore fans. 
they alienated their roots. They alienated so many other things because they did get wrapped into the numbers. And how do we make more money? How do we make more money? How do we make more money? Which then changed your experience. And I love how you put that. Uh, Talladega was a week-long party. I remember going to races at Talladega, and you talk to people in motorhomes, and they had just left another race, and they came straight to Talladega. And then they're going straight to Atlanta. Then they're going straight to wherever else. Yep. It was it was like a it was like a traveling cult. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and and I remember coming back from. Well, my dad's a huge Alabama fan, and I remember coming back from Tuscaloosa. And you drive by, um, as you came up on Talladega, you could see smoke. You were in hell, it's weren't you? All the grills. It's all the grills yeah. and the people cooking out and having a good time. It's 11, 12, sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning. And you're like driving by and you're like, man, they're having so much fun. And you can you can just tell it. You can't see it because there, there were trees at the time. And it's like you just knew that's Talladega. And you just had this little smog over it. And they, they tried to do away with all that. They tried to clean it, quote, unquote, make it corporate. Yeah. And you alienate your core. And I'm going to give an example. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but it's fine. You know, one of those examples about that is if you're not aware, Kevin Harvick or Justin Marks and Jeff Burton all acquired this tour called Cars. Yeah. It's a small um, tour. And the reason they want to build the short tracks back up is something, something that NASCAR just kind of, ah, whatever. About them. If you remember back Saturday race, and the reason they didn't want to run Saturdays is they didn't want to run, run, run want to run again small tracks. But their numbers came back and said, "Oh, but if you put another, Bristol's ratings are so great. Put another one on Saturday. Now put another one on Saturday. Now now put another one, and then you kill off your crew. And there's still so much on the backside of every single number. I don't care what number it is, what statistic it is. There's still a story behind it. And I think NASCAR is a perfect example of them not looking." deeper at those numbers. See, you talk, we talk about the people we talk about those. Okay. Short story, four minutes or less. I promise one year as I'm working fire safety at ISC Talladega, um, they needed help on overnight track watch. Okay, fine. I'll do it. So I loaded up my stuff, uh, had a go bag, had a cooler. Everything's good. I'm going down, and they assign me a particular area to keep an eye on. My only job, make sure people don't jump the fence or tunnel under. Nobody gets on the track. If they do, we call Alabama State Troopers, and we call um, the higher-ups in uh, Talladega ISC security. They come take care of the problem. All I'm there to do is observe. I pull up to the designated area. I get out. I get my stuff set up. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I hear... Oh, you're not the same person who was here yesterday. It's like, and I turned around. It's like, introduced myself to the person on the other side of the fence. Beautiful RV. Got two barrel smokers going. We talked for a couple of seconds. He's like, you hungry? I said, yeah, but I got some stuff over here. He's like, I never, nah, what you want? I'm going, what do you mean? I really didn't bring any money with me. I can't afford to pay you for it right now, but I can do it in the morning. He's like, that's not what I'm talking about. Are you hungry? The man serves up a half slab of ribs. Homemade baked beans, homemade scalloped potatoes, <laughs> and did not want anything for it. He's like, enjoy it. That's why I made it. Then he asked, want a beer? It's like, I'm working. I can't have one. He's like, but do you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> I love people like that. Now, look, once again, it's the and it's a 
fine line about how things are done and how they're handled. So sometimes it's not ownership. Sometimes it's not ground level. Sometimes it can be management. Management? So you're saying there could be a manager involved here. See what I did there? (laughs) Behind the scenes, we know what I did there. Now everybody else finds out. One of the things that we were wanting to discuss this week, and this can encompass any era, any timeline, all of the above, any company, grassroots, all the way to national or worldwide promotions. There you go. Let's have some fun with this. Um, Greg, I'm going to point to you first. Favorite and or best managers of all time. Mm, 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 mm. I can go. I'll go favorite. And I'll explain why. It's it's probably not one that's going to be on those list. Gary Hart. Ass. Stay out of my and, playbook. <laughs> and the reason I'm going Gary Hart, I feel like he's one that won. He he knew his talent. He didn't manage everybody the same. He was the perfect person for the for the monsters or the special attractions. And Gary Hart never tried to get Gary Hart over. Now, what I mean by that is there's others. He was silent when he needed to be. He 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 kind of made points. He was very intelligent with the way he presented it. Um, but he also whether well, it's heat with Gary Hart, he still there's make sure there's heat on Abdullah or on Brody or on um, uh, Kabuki. I was about to say Muda or Muda. Yeah, and Kabuki too. And, and yeah, yeah, both of them. And it was like you, you knew that he made sure that there was heat on that person. He made sure his star shined. He didn't outshine the stars, even if it was an Al Perez or whoever. And I just loved his presentation. And he had that almost like that. If you really think about Jake the Snake and his old promos and all that, that was Gary Hart. Gary Hart didn't yell. He didn't have that. He had a nice cadence. He could draw heat no matter where he went. And he was very intelligent. And when he spoke, you knew he was intelligent. I just love Gary Hart. Is that the primary one you're sticking with? Oh, 100%. That's my number one by far. Okay. Shane Knowles. You're asking me first my favorite? Go with favorite. Uh, and yes, we can go discounts. one and one a. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can go one one a. I mean, I love Gary Hart. He would be on my Mount Rushmore. But if I'm going top one one a for me, it would it would be Bobby Heenan and Jim Cornette. Uh, brilliant minds managed a whole. You know, I mean, I think people just think of Cornette with the Midnight Express, but if you think back to those early days where he was with Jimmy Hart in Memphis, and there's another guy, Jimmy Hart, in the first family. Um, I really like, as I go back and look at some of this over the years, Jim Cornette's work managing Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Um, Because where Mr. Fuji was not such a great promo, Cornette helped sell a lot of those angles and those matches against Bret Hart and the like with uh, with his skills on the stick. But for me, Bobby Heenan, I mean, and I'm trying not to get into Bobby Heenan as the commentator, Bobby Heenan, the worker, broadcast journalist, whatnot. But uh, I just, I don't know. As a kid, something about Bobby Heenan, the way he could turn and look to the crowd, the way he could just move his neck, maybe even like wipe the spit off his face after getting drilled by a baby face when he tried to interfere. I felt like Bobby Heenan always knew right place, right time, when to do it and what was best for business. And uh, Cornette has a lot of those attributes, too. And I saw a, a clip recently that I think I'd forgotten about. It was in the early days of Monday Night Raw, before Heenan got ejected 
from the company by Gorilla Monsoon. Wink, wink, head down south, WCW. Bobby Heenan is the one who introduced Jim Cornette to the World Wrestling Federation. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and watch that clip on YouTube, my gosh, how glowingly Bobby Heenan spoke about Jim Cornette. And Jim has even said, you know, like, I wasn't prepared for that. He was like, geez, Bobby, are you, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, is this Inauguration Day? And you're making him president? Because he was, but I mean, it was from the heart, just the respect that Bobby Heenan had for Jim. And I thought, there's two guys that never worked in the same company together, except for that brief period there in early 1993. Well, considering Greg came out of the starting blocks with my number one, longtime listeners to this show know how I feel about Gary Hart. The art form of being a manager in this industry of professional wrestling is someone who can draw heat, someone who can build heat, but not steal heat. And that's something a lot of managers have had a problem with over the years. There are times when they will take it upon themselves to try to go into business for themselves, and they will try to get reaction on them directly instead of by virtue of their charge. Or by virtue of the moment. Eliminating the three that my colleagues have laid out there. I'm going to go 1-1-A in a different realm. One, <clears throat> Skandor Akbar. Tremendous individual all the way across the board. Helped build Devastation Incorporated. Regardless of who was in it at the time. Continued to lay out promo after promo after promo and did it the right way where he continued to build up the match. He could bestow his own virtues, but he never took away from the storyline, the build. Making sure that you knew that this was going to be one of the biggest matches of, let's say, the heroes. Let's put this one in play. One man gang, Dr. Dusty Williams. You knew by the end of Skandor Akbar's promo that Dr. Death Steve Williams was in a dire strait because the one-man gang was going to do everything possible to put him out. But he never compromised the build of Steve Williams. If anything, he assisted to the build for more people to get eyes on the product. And that's something that a good manager does. Go from there... 1A, Bill Moody. Hmm. In the role of Percival Pringle, some of his early stuff, he stole heat. But he learned, and he got better, and he continued to build his body of work. And then, Paul Bearer. I'm sure I'm leaving some stuff out there, but I'm going with the big obvious choices here. Paul Bearer was the perfect accent which is another thing that a manager should be, an accent point to the talent. He helped to build Undertaker, helped to build Kane, and then his presence by and of his own work and what the fans did for him took on a life of its own. That's where anytime you saw Paul Bearer come out to play, you knew something was up. And you knew it was going to be good because managers, okay, 
I'm old school in this regard, and there's that term again, which I really hate, but I use it every once in a while just for fun. The presence of a good heel manager should be the same of a chicken bleep heel. Insert fecal reference over the bleep. Because a good manager knows when to stand up and shoot his mouth off, her mouth off, and a good manager knows when to get the hell out of Dodge, when to rabbit. Yes, silly rabbit tricks are for kids. From there, management managers should be untouchable unless it means something. If it means something to the payoff or near payoff of the storyline or the story arc, then, okay, as long as it's not wasted. And if you'll notice out of the individuals that we brought up, none of them, Heenan would take a bump just for fun every once in a while just to get the pop. We've, we've seen this. But the other four, those were reserved. Those were reserved. No matter how close you got, that was the trick. You don't touch them until it's time. And trust me, the story arc doesn't always tell you when it's the perfect time to do it. Sometimes you just know in your heart the time is right. Gentlemen, am I right or wrong on that one? Oh, you're right. I wondered if I lost the call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the I love the call out on, on Moody. Um, I think he's probably underrated just because he did stick with one person for so long. I know Percy, the, the Percy part was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But just because he's so attached to to Undertaker, even though he did have you know mankind and Kane and and others, um, barbarian. But he um, he was he was great. And I think the nice thing about him is he adapted. Uh, I think that's a huge one. Now let me I'm game I'm going to push back on Heenan and why he's not my number one. I, and this is not a knock on Heenan from the perspective of I don't like him. I love Heenan, but I felt like he did take heat away. I felt like too often there was the attention became on him. Um, not with everybody. Like there are certain people I thought he did a great job. Like I think he was perfect with Mr. Perfect where he kind of, he held back. But I thought there's a lot of times, especially now looking back at it, there's too much focus on Heenan. Now it could be by design. I always put it off on him. Right. But it was just so much there. Whereas I felt like some of these others, and Cornette included, but there's a lot of folks on Cornette, but a lot of times Cornette was people who would people who couldn't talk. Kind of like as you put it, Shane. Like he he brought those storylines forward. Kind of like Heyman did with with Brock. Brock couldn't talk. <laughs> so Heyman helped tell that story and all of that. So I love the fact that we have very differing styles across everybody we brought up, but they're all great. And there's an argument made for each one of them being the best. There were times when Bobby would steal heat. <laughs> but, and the thing about it is, and here's where, I mean, gentlemen, y'all can agree or disagree on this one. Bobby Heenan was a sports entertainer before sports entertainment was actually considered to be a thing. Agree or disagree? Shane first. Correct. And I will say to Greg's point, like he was saying with uh, Cornette, I felt like Bobby stole heat from guys that maybe weren't as good of workers. He didn't have to do that during that brief time with Flair or with Mr. Perfect or with Rick Rude. But there's only so much, per se, that you know a King Kong Bundy can do before Bobby Heenan has to uh, get involved. Greg, follow up? 
No, I, I agree with that. I think I think you're right. And I, I agree with what you just said about Heenan um, being sports entertainment before there was sports entertainment. And the great thing about him, and I think this is does separate him away, uh, him and Gary Hart, to be quite honest, they were workers first. They were wrestlers first. Yeah. And being a wrestler does change it. And the one thing that they both did is they managed – like a wrestler and wrestled like a manager. So when they got in the ring, they did not try to show anything. They didn't do it. They, they wrestled like they were a manager. And that was, and they, but they managed like they were wrestlers, like with that mentality, like, oh, you can't do this to me and all these different things. And I think they both got that piece of the psychology. Let's see, one of my favorite moments, and I believe and this I, is, go ahead. I was just going to say about Heen, I still don't think he gets enough credit to this day for how instrumental he was in that WrestleMania three buildup between Hogan and all. Oh God, no, he never will. But you know, I mean, for me, when, when he's on Piper's pit, he's the guy that moved the needle explaining that backstory while all Andre had to do was stand there and look menacing. And rip I mean, he got the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. If you go back to Hulkamania, really people talk about Hogan's greatest views and everything. His greatest view was, was, was with Heenan. It wasn't with Macho. It wasn't with Andre. It wasn't with Warrior. It wasn't with down the road. It was with Heenan. And it stayed consistent from the day he was a face the, with the red and yellow to the time he turned to the white and black of NWO to the time he went back to red and yellow. They continued that from the entire thing that Heenan hated Hogan. And, and if you really think back to it, everybody else always goes, oh, now he's come over to the dark side. Now he's my friend. No. He still hated him, <laughs> and it was great. Because remember that line? He's like, "I've been telling y'all for years." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly, exactly. And and I agree with the the whole thing with with Andre. He did. He had to do that. But the, the key there was why did Andre turn? It wasn't because Andre is just because Bobby manipulated him, which furthered the story of Hogan and Heenan. Not as much Hogan and Andre, in my opinion, especially looking back. Andre was the pawn in the st- in the story of Heenan versus Hogan. Mm. You know, that's the like I said. The thing about it is for me the overall scenario. Gary Hart had a moment in Georgia Championship Wrestling that stuck with me to this day. I believe that the, cl- the clip is up on YouTube, and I'll make it brief because we're up against the hard break top of the hour. Gary Hart was out at the podium. With I believe it was Kabuki, and he was talking to Gordon Soley and just dogging Dusty. And then all of a sudden, in mid-sentence, Freddie Miller comes out from the back. Breaking real quick, just wanted to let y'all know, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes has just pulled in the parking lot. I'm glad Freddie Miller could see through walls to find out that Dusty had pulled in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, Gary Hart just goes absolutely blank. Like he's seen a ghost and says, just starts ruffling for a second. Gordon, I have to go now. And it turned around and leaves and Dusty comes barreling out on the set. Just a nick of time situation. Just the factor of how quickly Gary Hart could shift on a dime was enough. To, is just enough to stick with me because regardless of who it was, whether it was Al Perez or whether it was um, Kabuki or anybody else that he worked with. He always did what was right to put the storyline together. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Uh, I want to make 
make one more mention on Bobby Heenan going back even earlier. Man, that worked with Nick Botwinkle in the AWA. Oh, God, yeah. The way they could talk so condescending and talk down to the crowd without ever really raising their voice was beautiful. And I want to give an honorable mention, too, to the late, great Sherry Martell. Oh, God, yes. Uh, one word that comes to mind when I think of her as a manager is fearless. And I just think it was a shame. I mean, it was great that we got to see her use her talents as a manager. But she went into that role because the WWF just didn't have a formidable women's division for her at the time. You talk, Greg talked about being a wrestler, a worker before a manager. She was a very good women's wrestler before she ever uh, took on protege. Greg, go ahead and take next, and I'll do the wrap-up. I mean, I think there's so many that are underrated out there. Um, I mean, it, you can even go down to um, oh, I think about that. I mean, Fuji had his stuff, of course. Like you mentioned, Jimmy Hart earlier. Jimmy Hart had a certain character a bit, but I think another one that's underrated was Downtown Bruno. Yep. And you know, even though he he kind of really only did it in the territories, the WWE run wasn't all that. But you know, CWF or Memphis or, or wherever it was, he he had heat, <laughs> and and he was the perfect size. Like he was that perfect. Manager of the the, the quote unquote pencil neck geek. I know that's what Bobby used to call us, but it's at the end of the day, it was that's what he was, and yep. he was just that little skinny gnat that you can't get rid of. And I think he was underrated. He, um, you would go down to, you know, Paul Ellering was part. You talk about um, Bill Lodi being so perfect for Undertaker. How great was Ellering with LOD? Or how perfect was J.J. Dillon with the horsemen? They were just perfect for what they were. Beyond, if you take them out of those roles and put them with other people, I just don't think they rank where they where they do. And they're just so, like a match made in heaven. See, one th- another group that we kind of overlooked, and I mean a group of managers back in the classic World Wrestling Federation days, uh, Classy Freddie Bl- uh, Blassie, the Grand Wizard Ooh. of Professional Wrestling, and Captain Lou Albano. Um, you've got three individuals right there who are three contrasting styles. Blassie, of course, the Hollywood lifestyle. Lou Albano just out there. And um, Grand Wizard just kind of played it stoic most of the time. You really couldn't tell facial expressions because of the turban and the um, the dark sunglasses that he wore. Whereas Albano left it all out there. And Blassie was like, and Blassie, you said Pencil Neck Geek. That's the first thing that I always associate yeah. with because the man made a song called Pencil Neck Geek. <laughs> uh, yes, Dr. Demento Radio Show. Yes, I'll sir. Um, the thing about Sherry real quick, and I'm going to, I'm going to wrap us up on this segment with this one. Cause we're, like I said, heartbreak already missed. Um, Sherry Martell, who I've had the privilege. I had the privilege of knowing and working with, for, but knowing longer than working with just tremendous individual all the way across the board. She was always very kind, always very professional. Um, always had a kind word to say, even when she was having bad days. Um, anytime we'd be in the same room, she'd always make it a point to say something, at least say hi. And on those, when we were working bigger shows, it was a case of she never um, bypassed me to get to somebody else. She would always come to me. Long time no see. How you been? Everything going good? Well, get, um, do me a favor. Let me go say hi to everybody. I'll come back and I'll talk to you in a few minutes. And she always did. So that's why it's like, and Sherry is often overlooked in that managerial category. But think about it is, she earned her stripes. She was one of the best in the business all the way across the board, in ring, as a manager, and on the microphone. I loved her sarcasm. I loved her wit. I loved her as an individual. That's why I still miss her to this day. Folks, music bed long since playing. Tell you what, we are going to go to the top of the hour break a little bit late. 
Hang tight. Live side. Back in about six on the replay. Back in two minutes. This is Beyond Ringside Live. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you looking for premium grade CBD products and supplements from a source you can trust? Then visit Calm Peak at calmpeak.net. We offer premium grade broad and full spectrum CBD products made from U.S. grown hemp and lab tested to ensure quality and safety. And we provide a 90 day money back guarantee. We've won the Best in Show Edible Award, Best Minor Cannabinoid Formulation, and Best Delta A Tincture 2021. Go to calmpeak.net to see our full line of premium grade CBD products and supplements, as well as beverages, apparel, and more. Calmpeak.net. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Dale the Demon Torborg. My name is Bryce Rensburg. I'm the Chikara Senior Official. This is April Hunter from AprilHunter.com. I'm Bobby Chez, a three-time world champion, Showtime expert analyst. This is Coolio with the flow, a.k.a. the Ghetto Gourmet. This is Dan the Beast Severn, the only Triple Crown champion in the UFC history. Hi, everybody. This is Jerry the King Lawler. That's right. WWE Hall of Famer. This is Jeff Damon from Deadliest Warrior on Spike TV. You have tuned in and are now live listening to the three-time NWA heavyweight champion of the world, Scrap and Anna Pierce. And just like you, I am also locked in. And brother, we are beyond ringside. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And coming back out to play on a beautiful Sunday night. Welcome back to Beyond Ringside Live. Multiple location station in play as we enter technically our number two. You never know what's going to happen around this place. <clears throat> really, you don't. From the Beer Hog in beautiful Pelham, Alabama. Normally beautiful, it's just overcast as hell. I am the Magic City Motormouth Fast Teddy Lane. Welcoming back in tag team partners, the Hardcore Heartbreaker, Greg Troxel. What's up, brother? Oh, man, just a, a great weekend. Brackets are out. XFL had a record uh, attendance today. Good. And of course, we're, of course, we're WrestleMania season, so I mean, how much better does it get? <laughs> Welcoming back in tag team partner from the Peach State. We're going to come up with different nicknames next week. I don't know why, but I just seem, feel like I should say that. Shane Knowles, what's up, brother? Uh, we just got a joke during the Oscars that I'm sure is going to upset some people. So that's why I'm going to be honestly glad to tell it. Uh, host Jimmy Kimmel was uh, saying that business was back up in movie theaters. Thanks to Tom Cruise. Uh, in the Top Gun sequel, Maverick, he said, man, did you see him without his shirt off? L. Ron Hubba Hubba. Ooh, a Scientology shot. Kimmel did not write that. <laughs> Kimmel did not write that. Jimmy Kimmel has not been funny since The Man Show. And he has still been doing The Man Show apology tour for the last few years. And I don't even watch his show. I think I even blocked it on YouTube because even when he's trying to be funny, he comes across as condescending and he's just not funny. Kind of like Jimmy Fallon started out being funny and lost a little bit of that edge. (laughs) James Corden, hate to see him go. He had more funny moments than a lot of people and Colbert hadn't been funny since he left the um, Comedy Central. So, you know, I'm very particular on some of those because they just... Sometimes they hit stride, other times they don't. And Kimball's still trying to be so diverse. I don't think he really knows what he wants to do. Excuse me, Fallon. I'm sorry, I said the words Jimmy Kimmel three times in five minutes. I must now go throw up. No, not going to happen. Speaking of nicknames, one of our castmates does have another nickname in play that a lot of people in Northeast Alabama or Eastern Alabama know, especially on Thursday nights. And I'm referring to our resident trivia master, courtesy of Useless Trivia. That's the name of the company. Not a shot. Thanks for playing. Shane Knowles, have you got a couple ready to play? Oh, you know I do. Music bed in place. Here's Here's the way we play the game, kids. Shane is going to ask the question once. Pause for dramatic effect. He'll ask it a second time, and then he'll point to whoever he wants to answer the question first to give that person first crack at it. You're more than welcome to play along. Let's have some fun. It's that damn simple. Shane, the floor is yours, sir. Sir. We will go to a board games question to kick off. Or maybe I should just say games. I don't know if you call this board game, but 
distributed by the company of Hasbro, what game is described as watch, remember, repeat? Eddie. It was formally put out by Milton Bradley. Go ahead. Did you ask it? Tw- you didn't ask it twice. Go and throw the second round out there. Uh, sure. Formerly distributed by Milton Bradley, now put out by Hasbro. What game is described as watch, remember, repeat? Greg, do you want first crack at this one? Do you mind if I go ahead and take it? Uh, go for it. Simon. That is correct. I used to have so many of- teams were guessing uh, guess who. I used to have one of those. I remember that advertising campaign quite well. Remember, I'm that damn old. I'm not old. I'm archive quality. <laughs> Round two, good sir. Oh, let's see. What to go with here? Travel and tourism. The Big Apple of New York City is one of two cities in the United States that average over 5 million tourists or over 5 million visitors per year. What is the other city besides Red. New York? Red. Orlando. Uh-huh. Oh, incorrect. Oh. Eddie goes with New Orleans. Also incorrect. You suck. <laughs> Greg? Vegas? Ding, 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 ding. Incorrect on this one. Really? And Greg, I have to ask, because a lot of teams at Trivia Thursday went with Orlando. They were thinking the uh, Disney World connection. Is that where you were going? Well, yeah, I mean, just just everything here, right? Disney, Universal, all the conventions they have, everything. So everything they got down there now. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Okay, so we've said New Orleans, we've said Orlando, and what was the third one? Vegas. Las Vegas. I'm going to go on a technicality and use the phrase I didn't use in segment one. I'm, no, wait, that Disney World, not Disneyland. I'm going to go Disneyland and technically say Anaheim slash Los Angeles. Also incorrect. You sucks. <laughs> I will tell Greg, since it's his turn, you were very close with Orlando. I'm I'm going to go to a little west of Orlando, and I'm going to go Daytona. That is incorrect. How about Miami? I think Miami is ding, 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 our winner here. (laughs) I thought for sure you'd say Miami, Greg. And you know why I didn't say Miami? Why? It sounded too easy. And... I thought Daytona because I'm like, you know what? Bike week and all that kind of stuff may have put them over the top of Miami. Well, here's the thing. If, if you've ever paid attention to the way that trivia normally falls in my direction, it's the one that I'm not quite sure of that I'll say, there's no way that it's blank. And it ends up being the right answer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. follow your... <laughs> Shane, how many times has that happened? We're still in double or we finally got triple digits on that? Uh, probably triple digits. <laughs> Now, if we were to go top 10, I think we'd all still be in the mix, but this was not a multiple choice question. Round three, Shane. I'm going to give you guys a question that I wrote before we went on the air. So this is a brand new has not even been tested out. 
Uh-oh. at Live Trivia on Thursday. Exclusive. Same name, two things that have the same answer. So we are looking at what is both the name of a uh, singer producer worth over $150 million as well as the name of a private university in the state of Iowa, Iowa, with one of the oldest law schools in the country. The reason that I asked, this school's men's basketball team made the tournament this year. Both the name of a singer-producer worth over $150 million, also the name of a university in the state of Iowa, that is one of the top law schools in the country, and the school's men's basketball team is in this year's March Madness. You would wait till I close the damn window with the bracket. <laughs> uh, it's like West Bracket, South Bracket, Southwest, Northeast. <laughs> um, oh, God. See, the first word popped in my head was Mercer, and I know that's wrong. If you can remember early in the show, they were the subject of my uh, question about 12 seeds beating a five. Mm-hmm. Once again, you would wait till I close the bracket window. <laughs> Greg? Even though I just confirmed it looking at this, I already knew. I thought I knew the answer. I was going Drake, even without looking at the, dra- the bracket. So it is Drake. You are correct. The Drake Bulldogs. Very nice. I didn't think he was worth that damn much money. <laughs> Drake. Can I, get, can I get one more here? Yeah, go ahead. Bonus. Words and phrases. What two-word phrase was first seen in the story of Alibaba and the 40 Thieves as a magic password? Eddie, let's go open Sesame. That is correct. Over half the team's foot, abracadabra. That's one word. Mm-hmm. It's That's one. What I said too. I like the Steve Miller song. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say I took my Steve Miller reference right out from or Sugar Ray. Because <laughs> remember, Sugar Ray made a remake of that well, song a few years ago. They did. And I'll, you know what? I'm just going to take take the reins here and do a fifth one for the final because I think we'll get some fun answers on this. A food question. Go to Greg first. Besides coconuts. What is the only other fruit that comes from palm trees? They are a major export from the Middle East. Oh. Coconuts are one of two fruits Music that bed. come from palm trees. It's not a mango, is it? Uh, no, not a mango. But I like how you took the Eddie stab at it. It's not a... <laughs> I'm hoping it was right. I like that. <laughs> I want to go guava. Mm. Mm. That is an incorrect answer. Well, I suck. <laughs> no, no, no. You knew Simon. Greg? Mm. In the Middle East. Kiwi? Uh, no, no, I mean, they're also um, produced from palm trees here in the state. Uh, they're just a major export as well from the Middle East, especially in the country of um, Iraq. Can I go with what, the... Op- what was your answer on that one, Greg? I said What kiwi. did you say? Kiwi. Oh, okay. I really want to go with the obvious choice that I should have done the first time and say heart of palm? Uh, no. 
Damn like it. it. <laughs> well, it was obvious. I mean, hey, why not take it? Hmm. I don't know. Um, it's going to be something weird. I know it. I know. And that's why I can't think, <laughs> I can't think of anything else's. Because I keep going back to Gilligan's Island trying to figure out what the hell they got out of the trees. Oh. Dragon fruit? I don't know what else is on. Mm-hmm. A Kai berry? No, it uh, has five letters. As far as the plural form of the fruit. It has uh, five letters. Greg, you're up. Uh, go ahead, man. I have no earthly idea. <laughs> no clue. Hmm. I'm going to go with one of my favorite flavors of uh, Quaker Instant Oatmeal and say, I know it's not raisins. I know it's not. How about dates? Dates is correct. You're kidding me. Dates and coconuts are the two fruits that are produced from palm trees. I really thought it was heart of palm. <laughs> Which I can normally get at the, on the buffet or the cold bar over at Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> and you know what? Since I'm just running wild, I promise I'll make this quick. This is the final, the six-pack of useless trivia. Just for you two guys, before it hits the uh, live trivia on Thursday, this is a sports question. Who is the only university that their men's sporting team played in the conference title game in both basketball and football this year? Is this any conference? Mm-hmm. Across Division One. Across D one. Well, so their uh, men's football team and their men's basketball team both played in the conference championship game. Should we take the low hanging fruit and say Alabama? <laughs> mm, you should not, because unfortunately Alabama did not play in the SEC football. I know. <laughs> Isn't that hard to say? I don't think I'll ever say that. They were in the basketball championship, but not the football. <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> Greg, any ideas? Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, it's not going to be any of the. I don't think it's going to be any of the big boys. I can't. I don't. I'm not sure. Can I go with uh, Conference USA in Houston? Ooh, that's very close. But incorrect. TCU. Getting warmer. I'm drawing a blank. Okay, let's uh, try to give the hint for football. Um, this team lost to one of the four teams that was in the football playoff this year in their conference title game. Texas? No. Did they make the Big 12 championship game? Trying to think who TCU beat. Did not. That was TCU and Kansas State. That's right. Hey, no idea on my side. It's it's going to come to one of you here. Well, if it wasn't TCU, and it wasn't, I mean, maybe, where's Michigan? Um, 
I don't know. I don't even know who even played in the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so, you're, you're in. You're in the. You're in the right conference, though. Big it Ten. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Because who did Michigan beat in the Big Ten title game of football? Was it officially Ohio State, and or was it actually Purdue? Purdue. There we go. The Boilermakers. Oh, winning the winning the Big Ten championship today in men's college basketball and losing. The Big Ten. I, I think that's going to be a tough question come Thursday. <laughs> I think you're right. I felt like I should be doing the uh, Price is Right clock game. <laughs> Purdue, <laughs> Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. 28, 29, 30. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I couldn't remember Purdue playing in the Big Ten Championship. I was like, I, I just could only think of Ohio State and Michigan. I knew they didn't play each other. But yeah. I, like, I, I couldn't even think of who it was. <laughs> and go ahead and get the shameless plug in, brother. Sure. Uh, useless trivia takes place this Thursday at Back 40 Brewing Company from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock in Gadsden, Alabama. It will be week three of our 10-week spring league. We've had a lot of fun the first two weeks, and there are 11 teams vying for the Useless Trivia Spring League Cup. Uh, stay with us for late-night trivia over at Tut's Lounge from uh, 10 o'clock to 11.30, also in Gadsden, on Thursday evening. Double your chances to play double your chances to win we were a little bit late taking the break from the previous segment at the top of the hour so we're going to go ahead and go iron man through this one and we're going to go ahead and blow off the bottom of the hour break uh take us directly into the home run round um last week we had a major discussion as it pertains to um factions and the thing that i'm going to go ahead and throw out there i want to bring that discussion back for a hot second because noticing the factor of the way things are handled today in this timeline um, for me personally, most factions, of course, are going to branch four or higher. You do have groups in particular in the industry today. And this is something, of course, as made famous through Lucha Libre in particular, and of course, through uh, New Japan, All Japan, NOAA, um, and of course, domestically through the company that was formerly known as Chikara, um, because they would also have the King of Trios tournament. Um, but it seemed that in this timeline that trios are given more credit for faction life than quartets and higher. And I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on that particular concept. And Shane, I'll go to you first. Trios as opposed to uh, four plus factions. Which one do I prefer? Yeah. And why do you think it's leaned in that direction so far? Mm, I, I prefer a four person faction. And I think that all goes back to the four horsemen. Um, I just feel like if you've got four guys who each add a different element to the group as far as being the big man, the powerhouse, if you have a tag team that can go with anybody, if you have a major champion that's the workhorse, then you have one that maybe is really good on the microphone. You have the perfect blend. I haven't been a fan as much of trios uh, outside of the Freebirds and maybe a couple other scattered. So I mean, now, look, I think five for me – is the cutoff because I always make the joke that when a faction gets too big to really have some kind of traditional games or Survivor Series match, you've got too many in the faction. Right. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I mentioned last week, do we look at the Freebirds as a faction because they were only three? Um, you know, later on, you know, technically, I guess they have four, but really only three. And I never thought of them as a faction, even when they brought up the shield later on. I never thought of them as a fra- as a faction either, because they were just kind of a, a three-man team. I just looked at them as that three-man team. 
I agree with exactly what Shane said, kind of four or more. Um, but you have to have a cutoff. <laughs> you can't have – I think my, my thing is as they get too big, I, I don't like having a faction that has an A and a B team. And I just want I want the faction to have one A team. Yeah, I mean, I'm in four or better because I agree with the philosophy. Let's bring back the horsemen into play because when you've got <clears> – <throat> The front man, technically speaking, which in the four horsemen, any one of the four could have taken point on any promo. Whether and I'll go with the combination that I've that is universally felt as the best of them all. And that would be Rick, Barry, Tully, Arn. Because you had Tully and Arn who were the natural tag team, even though at any point in time either of them could win the United States Championship or the World Television title. You had Flair, who was, of course, predestined and um, primarily focused on the world title. Barry Windham, Western States Heritage Champion, or um, any of the other singles titles that were in the, in the organization at the time. The word that I've always looked for as it pertains to um, the, the, the solidification of a pure faction is balance. What personalities are you genuinely running with and how does everybody contribute if you're using a manager, great, wonderful. If you're going it alone, great, wonderful. But everybody involved has to be able to carry a certain part of the caseload. Um, let's look at one of my favorite ones at this point. A trio combination referred to as, of course, the House of Black. Hang on. Because you've got... Um, you've got Malachi Black, you've got Buddy Matthews, and you've got the big man, Brody King. And on any given occasion, now, do I see how any one of those three could take home the AEW World Championship? Yes. Malachi Black. Do I see Buddy or Brody in that particular regard? No. I'm sorry. I don't. Do I see those two as either tag team champions or secondary champions, TNT title holders? Yes. I do. Um, the... You know, just when I thought Western States Heritage Championship was one of the weirdest and most useless names for a title ever, we come up with the All-Atlantic Championship and include the Japanese flag? What? That still pops me to this point. Like, we're going so far to the Atlantic, we're going to the Pacific. Um, also, from there, let's look at the Elite. The Elite makes more sense because you've got Nick and Matt, of course, nat um, natural tag team, Kenny Omega, either the secondary championship or the main title belt. They have that balance. But any um, but once again, do you see any of the other two genuinely holding a singles title? No, I don't see Nick or Matt Jackson holding a singles title. I mean, of course, you've got the Dark Order. God love them. You know, they've gone from everything from Overlook to Comedy Relief to Holy Hell, This Is Real. And then they fade back into obscurity again because creative just hadn't gotten anything for them and they're all back in catering. Technically speaking, that's an E phrase. But we go from there. It's like they've got strong personalities, but is anybody in the legit question, excluding the part-timer in that group, which would be Adam Page, is there anybody that you see in the dark order that could actually be strong enough to hold the world championship? Greg. In the dark order? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Shane? Absolutely not. I mean, out of the factions going today, and if you'll notice, WWE really doesn't do that right now. 
yes, they've got judgment day. Now, let's put this in play. You've got a former Universal Champion, Finn Balor. You've got Damian Priest, U.S. Champion. You've got Dominic Mysterio, who we're still trying to figure out why they're doing what he's doing. I'm sorry, kids. Nobody's buying the modern-day Eddie Guerrero. You ain't got the mic skills. And Rhea Ripley, I love her to death. I will ne'er say a negative word about her. I... But that's my next topic coming up, by the way. Be ready. Think Ripley, think title, think why. But I don't. I think that they've mired the Judgment Day in mid-card because they want to continue to push the Bloodline faction. And whether you like it or not, kids, it is a faction. You got Roman as the flagship, Usos tag titles, and you could put any of the secondary titles on Solo Sakai and at the drop of a hat. That is one of the strongest that WWE has done in forever. And I give all the credit in the world to them on that. But right now there's a megaton of questions as it pertains to how they use that one continuing toward on the road to WrestleMania. So I'll throw this one out. Do you see, you know, everybody wants to talk about the implosion of the bloodline. And, of course, what happened this past week with Sammy and uh, Jay on Monday Night Raw, it's the question, did they manage to superglue this thing back together fast enough for people to believe it? Shane, I'll go to you first. Plus, any other things on the ones that I've thrown out there? Yeah, so an aspect of that, I mean, I'm not alone. I think most everyone has enjoyed the Bloodline story. I am of the opinion, Kevin Owens has to do something, or this is starting to come off ridiculous. Stop making the saves, but I don't like you. To hell with you. I want nothing to do with you. It could be dangerous. If they wait until the week before Mania is what I'm saying, which is still a good few weeks away, I just feel like we know that it's going to be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. I don't think you have to unveil four more chapters to get us there. No, you don't. Greg? And I'm not criticizing (laughs) because they've done a fantastic job on this storyline as a whole. I'm just saying perhaps, I'm thinking what I'm saying, like the week after the Rumble, and I know you don't want to get the match set up too soon, so to speak, because you'll have seven weeks till Mania, but also to the flip side, as you like to say, the other side of the coin, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
we need to get this going because every week that Owens makes a save, but it's not for you to hell with you. I feel like it's just maybe letting a little air out of the balloon here. So here's why I like the fact he's not doing it. Because they've had such a history in WWE, and they always go back, oh, he's his best friend. Oh, they hate each other. Oh, he's best friend. Oh, he hate each other. And too often we go from this whole, it just flips. And I think Kevin Owens, let's go back to the Elias thing. Not that long ago, Elias asked him for help. He's like, do you not remember what you did to me? And I, and I was like, oh, he finally, somebody finally brought something back. And I think if they tell that story, and I have a prediction, or I, I'm, or I'm going to throw an idea at you. But if they tell that story, that he's like, he's going to be a reluctant partner to Sammy because of, yes, we've been friends, but yes, we've been bitter enemies. But I, I kind of like that. The What has worked with Bloodlines, they have had so much patience. They didn't jump. They didn't hot shot angles. They didn't. Everything's been very laid out, very intentional. Even down to the Sammy and the Jay thing, and all these things that have happened time over time, and these little layers that have happened, and with the Kevin Owens thing kind of being sprinkled in, and I think you're going to see it get hotter with Kevin, because I still have an idea that Sammy's going to end up turning the bloodline to him, and he's going to be the master manipulator, not Roman. And what if, when they get into that match, whether it's at Mania or post Mania? And just throwing out a total, total crazy idea to you guys. What if they get there and they go through Mania, they go to Backlash or whatever, and they end up with a cage match? And Sammy turns on Owens and the, and the Usos beat him up and they beat him down like the Horsemen did or the um, Oli did and the Russians did to Dusty. And he's the master manipulator behind this whole thing. Or when Flair turned on Sting. Or when Flair turned on Steam. So, and then you turn, because if you watch certain things, this is how I've been, because the storyline has been so good, I start to read in between every line. And just the little things he throws at Jay. I believe in you. All these little things. Or the other day with um, with Jimmy, he's like, you had my back. And I'm not the manipulator, like your cousin. All, all these little things he's putting in there. And go back to how he was with that conspiracy Sammy. All these things start to can start to tie together, and he becomes the one who takes the bloodline away from Roman. Roman ends up with nothing and goes away for six months, eight months, and then comes back, and it's a hotter angle than it was right now. To use WrestleMania as a continuation for the storyline. Mm-hmm. See, that's the fun part. They keep it going past it. Almost, almost. I'm sorry to interrupt, but almost like DX did. I think yeah, I mentioned this to you one other time, but almost like Sean was gone. You kind of think, oh, well, DX is over. It comes back stronger the next night. You get right. The, we got X-Pac joining. You got the um, New Age Outlaws joining. And they become bigger than they ever were with just Sean. And it's like, oh, man, what about that? And then they feud with Kevin for a certain amount of time. And Kevin has a mystery partner or something that becomes Roman at SummerSlam. What if, and gentlemen, I'll put this to both of y'all. What if this whole situation with Sami Zayn is a ruse to where when everything's going gaga between Cody and Roman at Mania, Sami comes down to pull the save for Cody, but turns on Cody and rejoins the bloodline. 
Shane? It's a fun thought, but then it would, in my opinion, it would be, why did we do what we did that got Sandy so hot in the first place? Hashtag never waste a face turn. <laughs> That's where I was going. <laughs> Greg? I just don't see that. I think that takes too much air out of the sails, and I think it, it limits your long-term story, and it keeps Roman at the top. I think you need to let Roman cool and go away for a little while. And I think that's what happens after media. And I think you need it. I think with Cody's, for, for Cody to succeed, and if you went with what I was saying with Sammy, or you didn't go with that with Sammy, you, you got you to gotta let Roman breathe and kind of let that, that territory thing go away, happen, where you have that guy comes in, gets hot, and then goes away. I've got another one I want to throw at y'all. Watching SmackDown this past Friday night, because damn it, somebody has to. I'm noticing something as it stands with the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair getting cheered. Rhea Ripley, of course, being booed now because of everything going on with the Judgment Day. Are we finally in a situation where Charlotte Flair is actually getting over with the fans by virtue of how much they detest what Rhea Ripley's doing with Dominic Mysterio in Judgment Day? Yes or no, Greg? Um, a little bit of yes, a little bit of no. I think fans want to cheer Flair. They don't want her shoved down your throats. And I think that has happened, and I don't think she's embraced it when she's been a face before. I think she's come back this time embracing it with a different attitude. It's almost like you feel it. And she's not as Ric Flairish as she was before, in my opinion. And yes, do I think Rhea's done a good job, but I would honestly say it's more Dominic than Rhea. And I will argue all day with you about Dominic. So we can talk about that one later. But <laughs> um, I think people want to see this match. I love the reverse roles from a few years ago. And I think Charlotte has embraced her face persona like she's never has before. And she had to, if she didn't, this is not going to work. So I think it's a little bit of both. Shane, your thoughts. Uh, to Greg's point about being shoved down our throats, is beautifully said. And this time Charlotte was away for several months. That old adage, how can we miss you if you never go away? She was on the shelf. For a good bit of time so the return pop of we want to see you we want to like you and as greg alluded to this time she's embraced the baby face role more uh with rhea ripley i feel like a good majority of the wwe universe really respects rhea ripley for her wrestling talent and wrestling acumen at such a young age but to your point eddie of course it is heat by association with dominique for rhea and that's smart on their part and, and one other thing let me jump this one piece in there about Charlotte. When she came back this time, who did she beat? Rousey. Exactly. She didn't beat Becky. She didn't beat Bailey. She didn't beat Sasha. She didn't beat the, the people that the fans have gravitated towards. She beat Rousey. That helped. Well, I'm going to argue that one because the fans, okay. A lot of how much of a heel heat or face pop reaction you get is determined by the city in which you're making your appearance. Mm -hmm. 
Also, Ronda Rousey has a a fan base that will not turn on her. No matter how much of a flaming bitch WWE wants her to be. The only thing that kills me about Ronda and the persona is how she screws up the the eyeliner and the makeup. It's like, really? Don't give me what you're smoking. I don't want it. Not if I'm going to do that. But Rousey has been in that pitch back and forth where she tries to go full-scale heel, but the fans don't accept it. Next city, okay, we're, we're going to go back in the other direction and we're neutral, and she gets pops. So I think, once again, it's a case of be careful where you put the payoff on a storyline or the build on a storyline because the crowd may not accept it the way you want it to. And I think that's been the problem with Rousey. Now, a lot of it, I was reading comment sections. I went through a big tub of popcorn on that night when Flair went over Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. You had 70% of people on Wrestling Inc. who hated it. You had a number on other message boards, comment sections that hated it, and it was in the majority. That number has since mellowed a little bit since the title reign's gone extended play, and Ronda's moved on to allegedly tag team, which I'm still trying to figure that one out. But as it stands right now, you've still got you've got people that just are so over Charlotte, and even Charlotte embraces that now, whether you cheer me or you boo me. Fine, run with that, because that needs to be done. Somebody was about to say. Yeah, I was going to say with Rousey, people want to like her. Let's go. It's kind of like this, the Charlotte thing. People want to. Like, she came back in the Rumble, and people cheered, or she came. She makes these returns, and then she goes back to the same crap she's been doing. She doesn't embrace it. She doesn't. There's something about her that doesn't feel organic. like she takes this as serious. Like, it, it's almost like. Like you look at Logan Paul, people are starting to accept him because they know he takes this this stuff serious. Bad Bunny, same thing. And I know there are celebrities, but Rhonda came in and it's almost like she was like, I deserve this. And she's been handed everything too. But then they pop, she's back. And then she just she doesn't embrace it. There's something about it. There's not that connection. And I think when Charlotte comes in and wins like that, also keep in mind the WWE. quote unquote, let's use the term universe, is not on Wrestling Inc. They're not on one wrestling or whatever the old all used to be one wrestling.com. They're not on the Wrestling Observer. They're not on PW Torch. They're not voting in their polls. They're not. So and they're not the ones packing those buildings on SmackDowns and Raw. They will on a pay-per-view, but they're not the ones packing the building on SmackDown and Raw. And so there is a difference. And I do also believe that when you put them in certain cities on a Raw or a SmackDown, that influences the next city. And when somebody sees it, that casual fan or that fan that's not watching every single week, and they're like, oh, Ronda Rousey, it's got to be by Charlotte Flair. And everybody went crazy. I want to be a part of that. I want to go crazy for her, too. And then you see Charlotte embrace it. That helps. And then she starts to make that connection. She's really, I think she's done some of her best work of connecting with the fans, finally. And because there for a while, she was very resistant. Um, So I, I do think beating Ronda was huge because... People just don't like Ronda. They want to try. They want to. And then they get to the point like, I've tried to like you and you keep screwing me over. (laughs) And and that's kind of how it happens. And 
So I, I do disagree with that. I think that people, her beating Ronda was perfect. Had she come in and beat Becky or a Bianca or even a Bailey, even a Bailey's a heel, even as a Bailey, I don't think you get the same pop. But her coming in and beating Ronda, like, oh, thank God, you get it off of her. Now let's see what happens. And people are not going to like it. Oh, here she goes. She's getting handed to her again. But then she embraces the crowd and she cuts a different type of promo. She does different things. That's the evolution of the the, the baby face flare. Shane, follow up? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go over to the let's go over to the raw side of life for a hot minute because we got a couple of seconds to play with. Um, as it stands right now, I'm just trying to figure out exactly how they're doing, what they're doing with Bianca Belair and this and the Raw Women's Title. Um, that's another case of she's all she's getting those mixed reactions. And this is something that I've noticed when it comes to certain champions. I mean, regardless of it's men's or women's, you get to a point where the fans are in any given city going, you've held that title too long. Give somebody else a shot in the reactions that they get. And I'm starting to pick that up from Bianca. Shane, are you? Say that again, the question. Uh, the, the reactions that Bianca has been getting lately as Raw Women's Champion. Is she still getting the same kind of mega pop that she was, in your opinion, um, say this time three months ago? Or has it kind of waned as like, yes, once again, the novelty is worn off? Kind of like we get every once in a while when Charlotte pulls a snap return and wins the title the first night back. <laughs> oh, sure. I think, you know, the pop has decreased. I think also the audience, they like Oscar. Even though this is supposed to be the evil Oscar, Kana, God love it. If the draft were tomorrow, she would be my number one pick. That's next question. Hang tight. Greg, your thoughts. Bianca. I agree with Shane. I mean, it's, it's, it's well, I think it's twofold. One, people have loved Asuka and feel like she's been wronged. That she hasn't been given that true run, that true let her go. Like she's just that, that NXT Asuka. And so people like that. The other part, tell me what face over the past 15 years has held a title for a long time and has held the crowd the whole time. Bruno San Martino. I said last 15 <laughs> years. So, I mean, now you can go back. You can go, right, you can go back to a Bruno. You can go back to a Hogan. But even Cena, um, you think about it, even though he didn't, he didn't have, hold it for necessarily a long time at one time, but he was that main champion. People start to turn on those faces. And Austin said it perfect. Austin said, I couldn't hold the title long. I was much better in the pursuit. Yes. And I think that's the same thing with almost any face. At some point, you got to drop it. You can't hold it for a long time. That, I mean, after some, some time, you're like, okay, well, there's their Superman now, especially with this day and time. So I think there's that piece of Bianca. And I will honestly say I love Bianca. I think she's great. But you have to be careful who you put her in the ring with. Not from an in-ring perspective. And I'm glad they got her away from Becky because to me, Becky, her star was like overshadowed Bianca. And if you allow it to happen, Bianca can get overshadowed by others. Oh, easy. She's there. She's right there. I love her. I think she's the future of this company. However, it's time for her to drop it and get back into the pursuit. Her pursuit, the best thing that happened to her is when she lost to Becky in those 26 seconds, and people lost their minds. I was like, no, be patient with this one. I saw what's coming. 
you know, haven't been in, and you guys probably did too, being in this business for a while, you're like, no, there's something else going on here. And what they did and how they turned Becky and the whole story was for her to come back and get that revenge. And it was that pursuit that gets her back on fire. Yep. And, And then she gets it and holds it for a year. That's great. A year is maybe a little bit too long for a face to hold a title, in my opinion. It is. I mean, look, Cena held it 16 times. How, many, how long did he hold it at any one run? Undertaker, Edge, Johnson. I mean, I, I mean let's put the world in play. Mm-hmm. Um, not since the era of Hogan, and Hogan must pose, as has been made famous on the internet, um, has anybody genuinely held the title as long as Roman Reigns has held the, uh, the undisputed title? And I think the Usos and Bianca are pretty much neck and neck for the tag in the uh, Raw Women's title. Um, there is before we, but I'm okay with the Usos and Roman holding there because they're not faces and it works because the crowd can turn. If you actually watch the crowd turn the other way, yeah. But if you go back to Hogan near the end of his title run, they started changing on him too. But I think it's okay for a, a heel to hold it because you still have those baby, the, the faces that are pursuing, 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 pursuing because you're not trying to get the crowd behind Roman, you're trying to get the crowd to hate him, and the longer he holds it. They hate them. They want you to come off that pedestal, but you got to have that. Like we talked about earlier, 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 we want to have those dominant teams. We talked about that in NASCAR. You want to see somebody come and knock them off the perch, and that's what you want to see. So that that dominant team that, if you go back to the Patriots that first year, uh, you know what, two thousand one, right after nine eleven, everybody in the country, the Patriots, the Patriots, the Patriots. And then all of a sudden, what happened? They became the heels because they were so dominant. The same thing that happens in wrestling. Gentlemen, before we head for the ranch, I want to throw this one out to y'all real quick. If you caught Monday Night Raw, you caught the uh, incident or the promo between Austin Theory and John Cena. Cena, of course, normally, by the way, dude, need to have your back looked at. You are slump-shouldered like a big dog, John. Um, Seriously, if you watched his profile shots, it's like, wow, is he 60? Um, Being respectful, honest, get your back checked out. If you, if you heard and saw what happened between Theory and Cena, I'm going to ask the question, was the promo that Cena cut on Theory too honest? If I win, you lose everything. If you win, you really don't get you, – you, I lose nothing. It's the basic gist of it. But did Cena tell too much of the truth in that promo? Shane Knowles. Not to me. Uh, Cena's status is where it is. We know that. And he made uh, notes of that for all of us. And I've seen so many people on the internet talking about Cena went too far. He eviscerated theory. Well, hello. Who do you think is going to win this match in a month? I don't think it's going to be John Cena. It's going to be theory. And I think Cena's going to do the honors and do it in a big way for Austin. But coming out of that promo... My favorite line was not going away, just like the bald spot on your head's not going away. To me, Theory got the best line in the whole thing, and he didn't have to say as much. Greg? Um, no, I don't think he went too far. And I think you're going to see a, res- a response this next week that's going to be over the top from, from Theory. And if you have a true back and forth on Monday, it takes away from Cena's return. And why have them go be able to go toe-to-toe? What you almost did is you made theory that underdog that you may see some people get behind him based off of what Cena did. And but Cena also knows what he's doing. 
he's making a star. If he came in there and said, oh, I respect what you're doing and all that, he's not making a star. But if he comes in there and cuts him, and then Theory comes back this next week, because Theory can cut some promos. If they allow him to go with it, I've seen him on the indies do it before, and he can cut it. And if they allow him to roll on Monday, which I'm sure they will, and he gets his quote-unquote heat back, and then at some point before Mania, they go head-to-head promo. That's going to be, that could be magic. But I believe that Cena sees himself in theory. I truly do. I and, see that. And I think that Cena's like, man, because he said it, you're in the ruthless aggression phase. You're in this priest. I'm about to, and what he's thinking, the way I read into it, I'm about to take you to that next level. <laughs> Cena's not coming back because he just got paid. He don't need the money. Call it what it is. He's not coming back just to, oh, you got me go wrestling. Who? He, he, he came back for this one. I was hoping and Cena would go with Edge. He's, he's, I'm sorry, say what? I'm, I was going for the nostalgia side. I was hoping Cena would work Edge. Oh, God, no. Ah, dude, they had epic promo battles between the two. I mean, the matches were good. They were, but... Well, here's I mean, I don't, here's, I don't here's the key thing, Eddie. That three-letter word, had. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see Edge and John Cena again. I'm sorry. Well, I don't want to see... Thing, it. Huh? I don't want to see Edge and Finn Balor anymore, but I guess I'm not going to get what I want. (laughs) 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 Shane, final final word on that one. (laughs) Oh, no, man, that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go into. I'm loving that Cena's being utilized to work theory. Someone who's already been U.S. champ, an up-and-comer. I don't... What I'm saying, Cena and Edge is fun for the nostalgia factor, but coming off the day after Mania, what does that really do for anyone going forward? I guess with this, they have an opportunity to give Theory a little boost on the biggest stage. I'll go with that. Folks, we are going to go ahead and start the ride toward the Radio Ranch. Got a couple of minutes to play with, so I will go ahead and sit back and ask the legendary question that is actually the question that is slowly but surely starting to become legendary. What's going on in your backyard Greg Troxel. What's going on in my backyard? Well, <laughs> um, as y'all it's still know, in the show I'm notes. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as y'all know, I got a kid that plays volleyball and I've learned a lot and I don't think I told you guys this. So I was actually in Orlando for a volleyball tournament here recently and happened to run in head trainer of NXT, Mr. Matt Bloom who also had a kid there playing volleyball. So I was able to give him, talk to him for a couple minutes. And as nice as a guy, and I mean, literally talked to him for just a half a second. But it was really cool. He, I actually went up to him. I thanked him for what he's doing with NXT. And he's like, man, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. And it was just really cool to have those couple minutes with him. And he, you could tell he was genuine. Um, but it was also nice to be, in, be somebody who, you know, pro wrestler and pro wrestler kind of talking about volleyball. <laughs> it's kind of a different world. So... Always about the volleyball, but hey, you know, from a outside perspective, I'm so ready for WrestleMania, and I haven't looked forward to a WrestleMania like this in a long time. I started looking at um, originally I was supposed to be there, but due to volleyball commitments, I won't be. But I've already started looking at hey, where am I going to watch it? What am I going to do? All of that, and I haven't done that in, se- in several years. So I'm just excited about what's going on in pro wrestling around. I Not have- just WWE, but Impact is great. WWE is great. AEW is good, um, but it's just it's just fun. It's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. 
Speaking of a place to watch Mania, we'll talk off air. I cannot say anything on air about it, but you might know what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Shane Knowles, what's going on in your backyard? Well, indeed a great time for wrestling. I think it's the most fun time to be a wrestling fan, always coming into March as we steer towards WrestleMania season. March also means tomorrow the tampering period begins in the National Football League for free agency. My Miami Dolphins today swinging a trade for all-pro corner Jalen Ramsey to put with all-pro cornerback Xavier Howard, exercising the option on Tua Tagovailoa. A lot of good things going on down in South Beach. If they can get Jordan Poyer, all-pro safety, to leave Buffalo to come down to Miami tomorrow, and all hints are that he wants to do so, then I will actually truly believe, I'm not going to say Super Bowl. I'm going to say that Miami won a playoff game for the first time since 2002. (laughs) Baby steps, kids. But uh, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. We had a big trade uh, earlier this week. And, you know, it's not uncommon for the number one draft pick to be dealt. But for it to be dealt over, uh, over five weeks away from the draft was surprising to me as we saw the Chicago Bears trade out of the number one position down to what they get, the Carolina Panthers' number nine selection sure. in the first round, the Carolina Panthers' second-round pick, Carolina's first-round pick in 2024, Carolina's second-round pick in 2025, and pretty solid receiver D.J. Moore, all for the number one. So Carolina, looking at this, I mean, they've had quarterback issues for about five or six years now. In my opinion, I don't know if Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, uh, Will Levis, or Anthony Richardson is that can't-miss Andrew Luck kind of guy that you've got to trade up the number one to get. Do you think any of those four are? And those are the quarterbacks from Alabama, Ohio State, Kentucky, and Florida. And who do you think Carolina takes as their franchise savior? Greg. Oh, man. First off, I couldn't believe that they gave up that much. <laughs> it's like, wow. Dude, I'm with the- you, Greg. I saw all the picks, and then DJ Moore was down at the bottom. I'm like, what? He was a throw in? Like, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, remember I how like, much Denver who? gave up for Russell? <laughs> yeah, but who? That was stupid, yeah. too. Russell was somewhat proven. I mean, yeah. this is like, I mean, the this Broncos sucked this year. <laughs> He sucked this year, but at the end of the day, he hadn't sucked for the last six. But I'm like, who impressed them that much to give up that much? And what I'm reading is it's probably be CJ. It was me, Austin. (laughs) And I was just kind of like, okay. But when you have three quarterbacks that are ranked pretty high like that, I was like, did you need to give up that much to go to number one? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking they're going to probably go CJ. Knowing Carolina, they'll go Richardson. <laughs> Don't worry about uh-huh. what he did exactly. How about we just do what he did and <laughs> let's just have, let's just look what he did and you know he's a he's a he's a combine star. Um, don't worry about what he did in college, about wins and losses or anything. Just look how great he measures out. So somehow I think that's who they're going to pick. <laughs> but if they gave up that much for Richardson, oh my goodness, I think Carolina fans may lose their minds. And thank you for telling everybody exactly why I do not watch the Underwear Olympics. <laughs> well, you know, and I have to jump back for something on the combine. This is many years ago, and this happened with the Falcons, and this being a Falcons fan is so hard. Yes, but they, they drafted 
Number one, I'm not, he wasn't number one overall. Like number three overall, Bruce Pickens, a cornerback out of Nebraska at a time when the entire, I don't know, they were called the Big 12 at the time, Big 8 or whatever, never threw the ball. But he got to the combine. He had speed and all this. Like, he never had to cover anybody. And when he got to the pros, he showed he didn't know how to cover anybody. And right. they paid him a crap ton of money. At the time, they paid him more than Dion. Like, what the hell? He's a combine star. At some point, you got to look at these college film and go, oh, well, you know what? He's great at the combine, but look at also what he did on the field. And that's what scares me about the combine. But sorry to get off on that tangent. Um, I know, Shane, that wasn't exactly what you asked me, but, you know, I had to take it. To the oh, no. Hey, uh, ask, the New York, ask the New York Jets how they feel about combine star Zach Wilson Man, as their quarterback. It's just like, <laughs> at some point, especially in the quarterback role, I don't. I like to say I don't totally care how you measure out, but damn, if I can sit back and watch you against the SEC defense or a, or even a Big Ten defense, and, and you can dominate, or you can, you know, you have your your arm may not be as strong, but you're so accurate or whatever. I mean, how do I not want to take that over a little bit, a few measurements? Um, I just don't get some of this stuff. That they do. Look, I would be better. But, and to your point, Greg, you're right on it because I think if you show up to the combine, you should look good with no opposition. As Eddie said, in your underwear, you should stand out. But it's against real, true competition on Saturdays in the heat of the moment where the money's made. Yeah, and hell, let's think about it. What have you done for the last three months? You've done nothing but train five to eight hours a day for this one day. <laughs> like you should look good. Something should happen right. You should have. Well, oh, he's a little faster than we thought. No shit. <laughs> he's all he's been doing the last. Four months. He always does run and try to get his forty time up. And then I don't. I you know I think there's some things in the combine that's going to tell you something. But at some point you just have to look at that college resume, especially in these Power Five guys. Y'all are going to hate me for this, and I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there. I would rather go back and watch reruns of the 1978 ABC Battle of the Network Stars than watch the damn combine. Oh, I'd love to see uh, John Ritter try to hit a softball off John Ratzenberger. There you with, go, <laughs> uh, Eddie. Would you? Would you? Uh, do you think Carolina? Do you think they take Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud? Who do you think they got here? Hey, I, for number one, dude, I wouldn't be surprised if they would take a, a good de- um, linebacker, a defensive end. Because I mean, there's some. Ser- oh my gosh! If they if they traded up to get Will Anderson, who I think is going to be a tremendous pro, but God, you talk about a haul. That's why I believe a lot of GMs need to be fired because they're willing to give too much to not get enough. If I'm willing to give up that many picks and that many players, I should get at least that many in return. I just, like I said, the way that a lot of teams have been doing this wheeling and dealing crap over the last couple of years, that's what it is. It's crap. There is, I mean... It's really hard for me to put into play, but I'm just going to go ahead and simply say, if you want to trade because you have faith in the fact that somebody's body of work from the collegiate ranks will mesh well with your work in the pro ranks and help elevate you to the next level, I understand conceding certain points as far as what you have on the table that you can offer. I felt that the Russell Wilson trade was complete and utter because I didn't see the, Dolph- uh, the 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 Broncos. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
I didn't see the Broncos. No worries. I didn't see the Broncos having enough artillery to back up Wilson. Same thing with this whole scenario in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. Cleveland didn't have enough pieces on the table to begin with to really accentuate Deshaun Watson when he could actually get through with a legal situation and stay healthy for five minutes. And now you've got, I mean, it's like it's setting a very bad precedent. Team owners and GMs need to sit back and say, stop the insanity. If we're going to trade for somebody, it damn well better be somebody that's a proven commodity, not somebody that hadn't even laced up the boots the first time in the pro ranks. Not everybody is going to be that miracle godsend that is going to help turn a program around on either side of the ball. None of them. I mean, y'all agree or disagree on that? I mean, it gives well, – yeah, To my point, I was saying if you're – and this is no disrespect to Bryce Young, maybe it is, or C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I just don't see any of them, like I said, as that – Andrew Luck, like, oh, my God, you know this guy is going to be good. Number one quarterback. All of them have question marks, and you're giving up first and second rounders this year, first and second rounders in multiple years, and a 25-year-old receiver that averages 90 catches a year for an unproven. Here's what's funny. I just uh, CBS Sports, and three of their three mock drafts, right? One guy has Anthony Richardson going to Carolina. One has Bryce Young and the other has C.J. Stroud, which tells you how equal these guys are. And I just, I mean, why give up that much to go to number one? Jump to number three. Because <laughs> Chicago's not taking a QB. That's what I don't get. I mean. Exactly. If you're, I, I just don't get And, and neither is Carolina. No, not Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, Arizona, they're not taking a QB. Jump to number three. Okay, so you don't get your guy at number two with um, with the Texans. They take one of them. Take the other one. And I just, I just, I just can't believe they gave up that much. I'm just floored. If you're going to bet the farm on one pick, you better make sure that the other ten people that are going to be on that field are going to be able to accentuate that pick and come together as a collective and push forward. You want to come out of every situation looking better, not Ryan Leaf worse. Right. And you have and, and you have to look at it and, and if you do have a risk, right? When I say a risk, that guy doesn't he blows up in your face. Ryan Leaf wasn't a risk. I mean at the time, he was number two, right behind Peyton, right? He just was a bust. Um, there's other busts that have happened. But I can't think of that many people who came out of college. You're like, man, that's no mess. I mean, Clowney? I mean, at that point, everybody's like, oh, my God, he's going to be a beast. And he's been good, but he wasn't. But you could see him coming out and go, oh, you know what? I need to trade for that. And you've had other guys in other other drafts that have come out, and they're clear. You know what? I have QB one, and everybody else is fighting for number four. Yeah. There's not even two or three. There's a one, then there's a four. <laughs> there's that much gap. Agreed. In this draft, you just don't have it. No, um, you don't. Even when you, after coming out of the comp, you just don't have it. I'd rather turn around and trade for Gardner Minshew. <laughs> the man still hasn't been given a chance in hell yet. I mean, oh, that's another thing, Eddie. Gardner Minshew may be the new backup quarterback down in Miami uh, because he's durable. And to your point, 44 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, which is a lot better than a lot of starters in this league. Exactly. 
I mean, have I ever lost faith in Gardner Minshew? No, I have not. Have I lost faith in the NFL Coaching Association for not being able to give the right quarterback the right shot at the right place at the right time? Yes. But we could go for another hour on this, and I'm sorry. Can you tell we have fun talking some of this stuff? Um, Is it my turn on uh, Backyard? It is. Okay, cool. (laughs) In my backyard, I get to make the following announcement. One of my favorite questions over the last three years, four years, is Global Championship Wrestling going to run another show? Yes. Exclusive. Friday night, May 19th. Will it be one night only? I can't answer that question. Global Championship Wrestling returns. Appearance? Hoover High School. I will have more information in the upcoming days. Had a great conversation with Dan Sawyer and some of the other front, former front office of Global. And things have started to fall back into place. Uh, from what I understand, the card is pretty much laid out and set and ready to go, pending everybody being healthy. And, um, everybody else is, everybody's already committed to be there. Three letters that a lot of people thought in central Alabama would not be said in that concurrent sequence again. Finally get said again. Um, there's also going to be updates through Global Championship Wrestling's uh, GCWPro.com as well as social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above, YouTube channel more than likely as well. And yes, I will be returning as ring announcer and possibly for one night only as commissioner. I cannot give any further information at this point because it has not been, we haven't got everything fully publicized and set and ready to go in the press releases yet. Um, But once again, all things in play. I'm looking at this as one night stand to where we're going to have some fun at Hoover High School. So in the central Alabama market, hell, even further out than that. Mark your calendars, make your plans. The return is set, and I'm honored to be back a part of it. Homecoming is set. <laughs> yeah, I know. Using the term homecoming and high school in the same breath. I'm sorry, kids. It's there, and I had to run with it. <laughs> but once again, seriously, looking forward to it. Friday night, May 19th, Hoover High School, Hoover, Alabama. Global Championship Wrestling. Will it be one night only? Show up. Find out. All-star night of pro wrestling action. Going to have some fun. Uh, Shane Knowles, last call, shameless plugs. Oh, last call. I, I don't know what else uh, to cover. We haven't already covered. We went through uh, how much you don't like the Oscars. Just kidding. <laughs> we went through NFL free agency, uh, WrestleMania season, factions, managers. Uh, man, folks, just be safe. Be nice to everyone. And thank you for allowing us to do this on Sunday. <laughs> shameless plugs. You want to throw them out one more time? Uh, Shane Knowles at gmail.com as well as Shane Knowles on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and sometimes Twitter. Greg, shameless plugs, last call. 
Shameless plugs. Um, happy to hear about GCW. Just want to say that, throw that out there. I should have official Same. announcements next week um, about some cards I'll be on in April, May, June. Uh, yep, got some dates coming up, and that's about it. So, shameless plug uh, plugs are social media at the Greg Troxel on Twitter, at the Greg Troxel on Instagram. Um, that's about it. Uh, real quick, shameless plugs, let's go for it. Monday night, 6 p.m., see you here at the Beer Hog. Monday night karaoke, your karaoke night. Uh, right here on Pelham Parkway. Thank you to everybody here at the Beer Hog for all the hospitality. God, y'all have been tremendous, and I thank you so much for it. Uh, trim Tab, y'all make a pretty darn good stout beer. We'll talk a little bit later. I finally broke down and had one going into the start of the second hour. If I could remember what the name of it was, because I only took a quick glimpse, not because I've had one too many. I've only had one beer, and trust me, that ain't enough. Um, Tuesday night. Steel Gastropub, Birmingham, Alabama, 7th Avenue South. Looking forward to seeing everybody 7.30 p.m. And I'm going to get in trouble for doing this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. This Tuesday night will be last call at Steel. Uh, this will be their final week. They're going to go ahead and take it all the way through the weekend. This will be my final appearance with Steel Gastropub. I uh, want to say thank you, Doc, JD, Carrie, um, Alex, Allie, Sh- um, Char- Darn it. Charlay, everybody, Jay. God, from the kitchen to the bar to the office, thank you so much for putting up with me for all these months up there. Um, I wish it could have ended differently, but once again, they are getting ready to shut it down. Also, I want to say congratulations to Nana Funks on the big reopening. Glad to see a Lakeview Entertainment District uh, mainstay come back into vogue. So congratulations, Nana Funks. Looking forward to hearing great things out of y'all. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out to play last Thursday night at Mad Pies in Fultondale. Thank you, Nick, Lori, everybody up there. Y'all have been tremendous as well. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing y'all in a week from Thursday. At Fast Eddie Lane on, um, I'll mention Twitter, what the hell. I do a lot of retweets on there, but I don't do that much on Twitter. Um, Fast Eddie Lane on Facebook and Instagram, as well as FastEddieLane.com is home on the World Wide Web. And every once in a while, I actually do update my own damn website. At Beyond Ringside on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside, Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside, um, Beyond Ringside Live. BeyondRingside.com is home as well as ProWrestlingRadio.net. For everybody, I've been getting the messages. For everybody who tried to catch us through uh, TuneIn, I'm going to get with them and find out what the problem is. Fortunately, the uh, streaming that was running through directly through the websites was working tonight. Thank you so much for everybody tuning in. We're going to call it. Back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 5 Pacific time. Until next time, for the hardcore heartbreaker, Greg Troxel. Have a good week, everybody. See, I told you I'd throw, you, throw it to you first this week. <laughs> for Shane Knowles. Milk is going to be amazing once we utilize the other 98%. I'm the Magic City Motormouth, Fast Teddy Lane, saying until next time, join us right here as we all go beyond ringside looks to the left looks to the right looks up looks down bye for now